Hello and welcome to the AJ on the Line podcast. My name is Adam. I'm here with Jimmy and Joe and we're going to be discussing the Singapore Grand Prix. It's a night race and we've not been there in, since 2019. It was a Grand Prix in which Sergio Perez returned from his summer holiday. Um, Max Verstappen didn't become world champion despite the fact he could have done. There was controversy off track and there was controversy in the stewards room hours after the race but we finally did come to the decision that Sergio Perez had won as I said. Joe and Jimmy did you have a good time? I certainly had a long time. It was uh, <laughs> one, of the, one of the longest races I've seen. It's always a long race to be fair Singapore. It's two hours long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even even in the dry, it pretty much gets to two hours. Or like with all the safety cars, you get a lot of the time. So, yeah, I don't know how many how many laps did they complete in the end? Was it like it was in the fifties, wasn't it? I think no. I know. I know. It was fifty six laps. There you go. See? There you go. Which is only five shy of the full distance. Not bad for Singapore. Yeah, I'm just going to say mm-hmm. from the top of this, I. I've not watched the race live. Well, I didn't watch the race live is a better way of saying that. The reason for that being that there was another race that I was involved in, the London Marathon. Thank you if you have donated. Um, but yes, that is that is my legitimate reason for not being present for the Singapore Grand Prix. But it'll be an interesting no breaks in terms of the race description we've got joe and jimmy though that will help us understand that i do know generally what happened but i didn't have to wait through all of the stoppages um and safety cars by the sounds of it so maybe it was a good thing for me we will find out as we speak to joe and jimmy so in three two one joe well, Charles Leclerc qualified on pole, and at one o'clock exactly, it was lights out, and oh no, it actually wasn't. The race was delayed by an hour and five minutes, so we didn't get underway to start with because the track was too wet. But eventually, at five past two, if you live in the UK, we did get underway, and Sergio Perez actually jumped um, Charles Leclerc at the start, Jimmy. and I said... Um, Perez and Leclerc drove into the distance keeping tremendous pace with each other while Hamilton got stuck behind that's hesitation yeah it is sorry okay yeah so Sainz got wheel to wheel with Hamilton in the first corner kind of pushed him off but I think it was fair racing which meant that Mm -hmm. Sainz got up to third place making two Ferraris chase down that lone Red Bull in Sergio Perez with Max Verstappen further down as Joe has already mentioned Max Verstappen did not have a good qualifying session. He didn't really get a lap in all weekend in terms of one individual lap where we saw his pace because he was always either backing out because he'd made a mistake or he was stuck behind a car or trying to overtake. So it was a bit of a scruffy weekend for the world champion in waiting. I think we can all agree on that anyway. Further up ahead, Sergio Perez was controlling things but then an incident happened and i don't know what incident was next so i'm gonna have to hand it to joe a safety car was caused when nicholas latifi did not see guan yu Zhou, squeezed him into a wall and we got the first of many many safety cars and virtual safety cars of the afternoon 
fairly standard restart. Sergio Perez and Charles Leclerc once again opened up that gap that they built in the first half of the race, just accelerating away from Sainz and Hamilton, who just didn't seem to be able to keep up with that lead pair. Fernando Alonso was the next to go after holding up Max Verstappen for a fair while. But when he retired, it kind of triggered what we'd been waiting for for a long, long time, which was for someone to take the gamble and put on those slick tyres. The track was just not drying out. As George Russell found out, it was still too early for the slicks. He was miles off the pace, and it really capped off what was a disastrous afternoon. I suppose he had to try something. After the restart, there was a series of failures. I'm not going to bother trying to remember who who they all were because that would cause me to think of a bunch of people it definitely included Esteban Ocon and Jimmy can take it from there it was the restart Verstappen got behind no that you're a restart too early yet am I really yeah there's another restart first so I'm going to imagine that Alex Albon breaking his front wing caused the safety car to come out was that the next thing that happened um so we've got we've got this restart. Uh, do, do you want me to just say a little yeah. bit? I'm handing it back to you, Joe, because okay, <laughs> you're carrying us here. Right. So I think we had a fairly standard restart after this until Lewis Hamilton, in his haste to chase down Carlos Sainz, made a mistake and hit the wall. Then he managed to keep it going. Uh, losing only a place to Lando Norris, squeezing back in, but he had a damaged front wing. Now, this was at the point where the track was right on the borderline, and I think this kind of triggered uh, the the move to slicks overall. Very soon after Lewis Hamilton hit the barrier, Yuki Tsunoda caused another safety car. Now, a lap previously, many, many people had fitted slick tyres, apart from the two McLarens, who by waiting a lap, got a free pit stop and ended up being fourth and fifth on the road. Now we have the restart in which Max Verstappen, in his haste to try and get through the field now they were all on dry tyres, went onto a wet patch, locked up massively and became the second of our top two drivers, you would say, in Hamilton and Verstappen to make a major mistake for the afternoon. Wretched afternoon for both of them, really. Um... I'll let Jimmy go next. Come on, Jimmy, it's an exciting bit now. So, the restart was on. The McLaren's pitters, which meant they had... Hold on, Jimmy. I'm going to step in because we've already heard this. So, we now had... We now now had Max Verstappen, arguably the fastest man on the track, albeit not necessarily the winningest man on the track because of all the mistakes that he was making and, and... the rough nature to the way his race was planning out. He was at the back, but fighting his way through. I think around this moment, George Russell tried to get it up the inside of Mick Schumacher at the first corner, kind of turned into him and got a puncher, which capped off what had already been capped off earlier by Joe as capping off George Russell's <clears throat> poor weekend. Um, not in terms... Oh, I said, um... Damn. Yeah. 
So we've heard what was going on at the back of the grid, but at the front of the grid, perhaps the most exciting section of the race where Charles Leclerc off the restart was right behind Sergio Perez. Very hard to overtake on this track, but he was within about five tenths around the whole lap. Just couldn't get alongside in the braking zone because it was too risky to send a lunge down the inside given how wet it was offline. We saw what happened to Max Verstappen earlier. So that... It looked like Charles Leclerc was going to be harrying him to the end of the race, but Sergio Perez actually eventually managed to pull a gap, and this was crucial because under the previous safety car, Sergio Perez had got a bit naughty. He'd been dropping back a bit too far for everyone's liking, which meant that he was at risk of a penalty. He very impressively managed to pull the gap. It didn't look like it looked like Charles Leclerc was all over the back of him, but as soon as those tyres had sort of got up to temperature on the Red Bull. Sergio Perez managed to pull the gap, managed to finish, crucially, seven seconds ahead of Charles Leclerc, which, when he was given a five-second penalty after the race, was enough to give him a victory by two seconds. Carlos Sainz rounded out the podium just a bit further back, and then a strong finish in fourth and fifth for McLaren. Max Verstappen, well, unfortunately for him, finished too low to secure his second world championship finishing seventh and i think we'll give joe the victory quite convincingly there because he just carried me and jimmy through that no rates race I review mean, you both always carry me along because know what's <laughs> quite gone on but yeah very good work joe. well done joe thank you for stepping in uh well, yeah, I I, lit- I knew what had happened, just not the order. It was, yeah. it was really hard I anyway. Mean, I was sat there thinking, uh, it was two hours this race, and obviously there was just so many incidents, and I was just sat there thinking, oh, I'm going to have to remember all this. <laughs> I mean, there was, there was six or seven retirements, and quite a few people hit the barrier without retiring as well. Yeah, so. it was, that, that's the thing about Singapore. If it rains, it's so hard, because... It, because it's so hot and humid, the rain doesn't dry off the track that quickly. Mm-hmm. And obviously, because it's night as well, there's no sunshine. Yes, indeed. Which... So it just doesn't, doesn't dry. One question, though, that some listeners may have included myself. Why was the race delayed by one hour and five minutes and not one hour? I, um, I, can't, I can't even answer why it was delayed that long, to be honest. I mean, we have a full wet tyre. What's the point of waiting until we're in intermediate conditions i mean you sound like martin i I bet he was saying that (laughs) he probably was i mean it it was just a bit too much i think it was all was it monaco this year as well where they did the same thing where we had a rain shower but i mean i understand them not wanting to race in completely outrageous conditions but i think we could have got away we you know we have the wet tires for a reason Weirdly, what that I wasn't the most bizarre. controversial thing that the FIA did this weekend. No. What was, what, There's plenty of incidents, which I'm sure we'll get We certainly on to. will. Jimmy, what were you about to say there? It just was weird how they um, had to go through the whole starting procedure. So you had to go to the grid, you had to piss about, you know, talking to, you know, the drivers and all that sort of stuff. It just seems a bit stupid. Why not give half an hour late or to a bus? You don't go and think, I'm going to go and get a sandwich, so I'll be an hour late, do you? You know, it just seems stupid. So why don't you just get a move on and just put the cars on the grid and just start? Yeah, exactly. Um, it it wasn't so clear. But yeah, we, we'll talk about the FIA and their decision making in a minute. But first, we're going to hear from Joe on his biggest winner. 
Uh, well, I mean, I think you'll be disappointed to hear, Adam, that I agree with you because I haven't come up with a new one yet. Okay, um, so, so we, shall yeah, we say it together? It's, it's going to be embarrassing if we've got it different. Three, but yeah. two, one, <laughs> McLaren. McLaren. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they are the biggest winners. I mean, I think we said last week that they were going along well for the past few races, but they still had quite a considerable gap to... Alpine, who on balance probably have the slightly better car, you'd say, and then a week later, fourth and fifth, and they're now ahead of Alpine in the Constructors' Championship. Plus, Alpine lost both cars due to engine failures, which seem fairly major, so you would imagine that there might be Mm -hmm. more grid penalties feathered down the line for both of the Alpine drivers too, so not just pain in this weekend but potentially further down the line. Um, It it was one of those weekends where it all went right for McLaren in terms of strategy and things coming out at the right time, Uh, but it all went wrong for Alpine as well. Yeah. To be fair, not necessarily the whole weekend. Daniel Ricciardo did qualify 16th, but he he drove a brilliant race, didn't he? A bit lucky with the safety car, of course, but... You you say he drove a brilliant race. I was listening um, to... I heard about his pace... And he was on quicker tyres than Norris towards the end, but Norris was still outpacing him by about one and a half seconds a lap. Oh, yeah. I mean... So... And that's reflected in Norris finishing ahead of him, but... And Norris not being fired from McLaren like Danny Ricciardo. Yeah. But, but yeah, nevertheless, both of them did a brilliant job, given the circumstances, to keep the car on the road, let's put it this way. Daniel Ricciardo, we know, struggles to drive that McLaren and Lando Norris adapting to a new raft of updates to that car. He was the only driver to have those updates. So, yeah, very difficult. And and to be fair, not just difficult for those two, difficult for all the drivers. Those are probably the most challenging conditions for F1 drivers in the heat anyway. The Singapore Grand Prix is the toughest one of the lot. But then add in wet weather driving where you cannot make a mistake that is mentally draining as well as physically draining so they they earned their their money this week didn't they jimmy they did indeed yeah yeah um very hot weather obviously it's in singapore um you wouldn't expect it to be chilly but yeah um it must play havoc with the, the drivers as well because they have obviously have to hydrate and they've got a set time when they need to be ready and on the grid and all that sort of stuff and delaying it an hour sort of messes all that up i imagine so yeah um it just yeah it was a very good race wasn't yeah we didn't rate it we didn't didn't we no so after you've given your biggest winner we'll do that so my biggest winner was the fans because um it was one of the probably the probably one of the best races this season in terms of action and incidents happening and all that sort of stuff people out of position um so yeah it was a the fans for me was the biggest winner. Do you agree with that, Joe? Because I, I heard you, well, what you said to me on the phone was I, I don't mm-hmm. know how it can be so exciting yet boring. Yeah, I I found it a bit of a confusing race to watch in that I don't know how I felt about it, which was a bit weird. Um, and, like, I saw, because I was, like, looking at, like, the live text on the BBC and there was a lot of conflicting opinions, like, a lot of people saying, oh, this race is amazing, a lot of people going, this race is incredibly boring. Um, and it was full of, like, really good moments and you didn't know what was going to happen. But, I mean, how many on-track overtakes did we get in that whole race? I wouldn't be, I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if it was zero. But that's the that's the thing about 
the Singapore in the in the wet thing, if you go offline because there is no yeah real drying mm-hmm. hey or there's no speed to the, the the wet conditions going away it's really difficult i i guess now's yeah. a good moment to get your race rating albeit a bit late in the podcast joe did you err on the side of boring or on the side of exciting i think i'm just gonna have to go for five because a bang average I, race yeah because i i like there were bits of it where i was going this is quite boring actually and it's all, it's going on a little bit now, and, oh, I'm never going to see an overtake. But on the other hand, there was a lot of exciting moments, and there was a lot of moments where I didn't know what was going to happen, and, like, someone would go into the... And you knew it could sort of turn at any moment. Um, so, yeah. I mean, it showed you just how hard it was to overtake that Max Verstappen, the best driver in the grid at the moment, in that absolute rocket ship of a car, couldn't overtake... Um, Fernando Alonso or Lando Norris or even Lewis Hamilton with a broken front wing on pure pace. So it was, yeah. But those challenges made it exciting when he did pull off a move. I, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They did. So, so that that's that sort of the, the so sort there's of always that way up, isn't I don't there? Yeah. Quite know. Yeah. What about you, Jimmy? What are we rating it? Probably give it a seven. Had a lot of exciting moments in there. Uh, Verstappen trying to do a lunge on uh norris and going straight on locking up his brakes um yeah there's i agree with jay there wasn't sort of that many overtakes but there's quite a lot of incidents which made it quite exciting mm-hmm. okay very good um time for the biggest loser award we'll begin with you jimmy um so my biggest loser um is red bull and i know they've won the race so it's a bit counterintuitive but um I'd say Red Bull because of all the stuff with the uh, cost cap potential for it to come and bite them um, in the not-too-distant future. Actually, is it Wednesday we find out? Wednesday, indeed. So yeah, do, so do you want to explain what's going on there, then? Get your get your authoritative pen out, Jimmy. It's time for Jimmy Explains. So there's a cost cap in Formula 1 now, which limits the amount teams can spend to $145 million a year. Tiny um, amount, and this isn't was it? Due to, yeah, but when you think about you have to build the cars and fly them all around the world, it's not actually that much money, although it is. Don't get me wrong. Um, so, yeah, so they've got the budget cap, which tries to level the playing fields um, for all the competitors, trying to sort of bring them closer together, the top teams and the, the bottom teams. Um, and then... To uh, police this, you have to submit a dossier to the FIA every, I think it was March 2021. Um, and that, there you have to explain how much you spent and you have to give sort of um, accounts and that sort of thing. And then the FIA investigate it and make sure it ties up correctly. Um, but now there's a big hoo-ha about Red Bull and Aston Martin potentially going over the budget cap. And this is for 2021, isn't it? It is, yeah. So, which is potentially even more important because if you cast your minds back to 2021, Mercedes and Red Bull were in a bit of battle for the title, where tiny bits of um, I don't know, upgrades could have a major effect. Um, and also going into this year as well, setting up the groundwork. Um, so, yeah, potentially it could be a massive storm, but we'll have to wait and see what happens. I'm not sure how much. We should say that nothing official has come out it's just huge rumors and what toto wolf has called an open secret and 
I know him him and Bonotto have been talking to the media a lot about it. There, there was that amusing moment when Bonotto came out of the Mercedes motorhome and they shook hands as he left, as if a deal had been done. Um, I, what that deal means, I don't know. Maybe Mercedes gets the Drivers' Championship for Lewis in 2021 and Charles gets the championship in 2022. I doubt it. Uh, so, yeah, so, uh, Aston Martin... It is rumoured they have had a minor infringement in terms of going over, whereas Red Bull are several million pounds over the budget cap. Um, I, I heard in the region of seven million, um, which is more than the 5% leeway. Now, on this leeway, that can get lost because if you've got a 5% leeway, the teams are going to use the 5% leeway. So what is the point in it? You might as mm. well have the budget cap 5% bigger. So why have that leeway? I don't understand it. I'd s- say it isn't a leeway as such. It's better you have to stick to the cost cap, but if you go over, you have less of a penalty. It's like speeding almost. If you go over by five miles an hour, you're not going to get a, a, as much as a penalty than if you speed 120 miles an hour on the motorway. I sort of get that. How big are these punishments going to be for a minor infringement then, below 5%? Because if it's only going to be a ticking off, mm. then all of the teams will just ignore that extra 5% and they'll go up to the limit. And probably... I mean- find out it's important it's it's a hugely important thing isn't it i mean i know we're not on the uh fia bashing just yet we're going to get onto that later but i mean well no my biggest loser is the fia and it's not and it's not for this uh funnily enough (laughs) yeah that's what i'm saying so we're going to get onto the fia bashing later but but the first thing i've got to say about them is how can you have a rule without a defined punishment surely they, surely at the meeting where they came up with the rules, they could have said, oh, hang on, let's just stay an extra half an hour and come up with the punishments first before we uh, say we're done. Excellent point, I have to say. I mean, it's very Formula One, isn't it? There's a vague range of possible penalties that could occur from being thrown out of the championships to uh, points being taken off or you might not be able to go... Uh, and do aero testing or practices or i don't know i think the best the best they should put me in charge that's what they should do and i'll sort them out i'll disqualify red bull we know what you'd do jimmy but i th- i think <laughs> i think just the- hand leclerc the championship there and then yeah. The 2021 championship can't be changed because there's that's a pandora's box that no. doesn't need opening for the credibility of the sport but what I would say is if Red Bull are found to have been spending millions over everyone else, that has given them an advantage in 2021, 2022 and the years in the future because of the cost cap not allowing teams to develop and catch up. They've got an inherent advantage. We know that teams that do well at the beginning of a new era of car will do well for the rest of that era we saw it with mercedes last time so what i would say is a good way of punishing red bull is to decrease their um time in wind tunnels substantially to make up for that or Mm -hmm. say red bull are not allowed to take part in practice three for example or practice two for for the whole of next season that that to me stops 
It needs to be more than that. That does... I don't think you can do... Because I know what you're going to ask for, Jimmy. I don't think you can do championship disqualifications just because... Look, I mean, look at Spygate. I mean... 2007, yeah. Yeah. That was a that was a £100 million fine, wasn't it? And disqualification. But the drivers didn't get disqualified from the championship. I know McLaren won the drivers' championship in 08, the next season, but that did have a negative implication on the McLaren team into the future. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. they... It, it meant that they hadn't invested in the team and they did fall off substantially to the point that Lewis Hamilton left them. And, yeah, and he left just before the ship sank, basically. Um, what would you say is a fair ruling? Say, I know, I know that no, none of this is true and this is speculation, but, Joe, imagine Red Bull have spent £7 million over the budget what are you going to do to punish them? I don't know if a fine's wholly appropriate given the nature of the rule they've broken. Um, no. Either, I, um, so I would like that's the that's the first thing you think. But um, I think some kind of you know wind tunnel development kind of thing um, would be appropriate. Yeah, I I think that's the only way because what they have. If they've spent more money, I don't know what they've spent on. They they they've got a sporting advantage for years to come. Um, Aston Martin, mm-hmm. if you're believing the the rumours, that they've only gone over the budget cap in a minor way due to some sort of procedural problem. But it really is important for Formula One and the FIA in terms of the integrity of this sport that they do lay down a marker because if they don't punish it properly then the whole budget cap idea becomes meaningless. And Again, I don't understand why we don't have predefined penalties. I think that would make things a lot clearer and easier. But, yeah. But, yeah, we will see what... It is quite organic, though, isn't it? So you can't really... I, I understand where you come from, definitely. But say if 15 million, what would that be? And what would 50 million be, if you see what I mean? So we just have a set punishment for each percent over the budget cap wouldn't you yeah that's not the reason why the fia are the biggest loser for me because Mm -hmm. they've not actually done anything yet they could be the biggest loser if they don't do that but the reason they're the biggest loser is it took them two hours to decide who had won and this was after all the tv productions had signed off and gone and started going home or probably to japan because it's a double header but you know what i mean and this is the same length of time that the race is limited to to work out whether or not Sergio Perez gets a penalty. Now, I didn't see it live, but I understand that Perez broke the rule about uh, safety car, uh, how far behind the safety car you should be. You should be within 10 car lengths of the car in front. If you've broken it three times, fair enough, one time is a warning, okay? But if you do it again, five second penalty if you do it again another five second penalty i'm not saying that should be the way if five second penalty for doing it three times for whatever reason is what it is or you've got two warnings and then a five second penalty that's fair enough but i want to have a rule that is consistent because i know sebastian vettel did a similar thing um i can't remember what race it is hungry 2010 was it hungry 2010 i know i thought he did one this year as well did yeah. He? Well, he famously did it in Hungary 2010 because he, he got a drive-through penalty and started wagging his finger he down did. the pit lane. I remember that, but he 
also dropped back more than 10 car lengths at another race this year. But the FIA mm-hmm. decided not to investigate it because other cars were doing the same thing. Now, if you're going to be that lazy about investigating a penalty or, or that inconsistent, then we might as well all go home. And, and this is the problem with the lack of consistency again. And yes, they can hark on about the fact that they've got this brilliant VAR thing as another data stream to help them make better decisions. But if you're not actually going to make the same decision and stick to it, it goes back to what you said, Joe, a few moments ago. There should be a rule and there should be a punishment that we all know and that's a slam dunk. We don't argue, we move on because that is what makes a good sport, right? I mean, it came to massive you know, headlines at the end of last year. But all throughout last year, really, we're saying and this year that we just need predefined rules and punishments. So, I mean, that would make things a lot simpler if we knew if you do this, this is the punishment you get and this is when we're going to apply it. It's kind of an interesting development, really, because things like that we've not spoken since the f1 calendar came out Mm -hmm. the fia announced it without telling anyone that they were going to announce the calendar which of course meant the journalists and and people that were going to the races they couldn't book their hotels before it was announced which meant that the prices shot up but also f1 themselves didn't know that the calendar was going to be dropped it took them 90 minutes for (laughs) Stefano De Milicali to come out with a yeah. press release. So it's almost like there's this one-upship between the two sides about who who can look the best on the stage. You've got Mohammed bin Sulayan um, talking about how transparent and brilliant the FIA are in every tweet that he does. And you've got Stefano De Milicali. I, I bet if you, if you got an off-the-record chat with him he'd tell you what he really thought about the FIA because things are not good between them Um, and the FIA are making F1 look bad in an era where F1 are looking amazing on the world stage uh, and it's kind of like they're the thorn in F1 side despite the FIA being the ones that own the right to the championship so yeah, it's tricky times ahead between the two and you imagine it is going to come come to a head. Abu Dhabi 2021 is an important marker in that history, but I wonder if what Jimmy mentioned at the beginning of this biggest loser piece, uh, the, the cost cap on Wednesday, maybe that will introduce us to a new era of um, controversy within this sport. Um, and don't get us wrong, we love a bit of controversy. It's part of F1, but... It does feel a little bit too much, doesn't it, Joe? As I say, just want to know what the rules and punishments are, basically. I think that would solve 90% of F1's issues, really. <laughs> anyway, rant over for now. Over to Joe for his biggest loser. Um, well, I'll, I'll kind of do a, a joint biggest loser because there are two best drivers on the grid, brilliant world champions, brilliant world-class drivers amazing but they both dropped absolute stinkers really on the same weekend uh max verstappen and lewis hamilton um i think this was a really big opportunity for mercedes you know possibly their last opportunity for a win this year um at one point it looked like lewis was going to get pole 
just missed out of it. Br- brilliant qualifying from Lewis, by the way. Like, brilliant. Yeah, um, and he's 500s off, um, which was a bit... Un- and then I think Mercedes just got a bit unlucky getting conditions that don't really suit their car on, you know, a track that should have suited their car. Um, I think perhaps in a dry race or something similar to conditions that favour the, the Merc, Lewis could have been on for a win. Um, but then in the race, just didn't have the pace to overtake Carlos Sainz at all, couldn't live with the pace of the front two, and made a, you know, a silly mistake. Like, not, you know, there's no two ways about it. That was a poor mistake from Lewis to make. Um, and he could have been in the mix of benefiting from a safety car or whatever. Um, and then he also made a bit of a mistake. I, I, I understand why he went for the move on Seb, but was never going to do that and then Max Verstappen equally um just he he it was weird in qualifying because he backed out of a lap that I think would have put him on provisional pole to do another lap right at the end which he then had to back out of and that lap was slower than the one he was doing already I think um and then in the race got a poor start dropped back couldn't get past um you know, finished seventh, you know, obviously made that, that big mistake with the big lockup, similar to Lewis at the same corner, you know. So, yeah, both of them, best two drivers on the grid, but poor races from both of them, I think. I think Lewis is the slightly bigger loser just because Max can afford this race. This was Lewis's one big chance, really, you'd say, and couldn't couldn't take advantage of it. But there we go. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't a good day for either of them, and you could tell their deflated nature after a long tough race and not getting much Mm -hmm. out of it either of them neither of them are used to that either uh but they will move on max will probably be champion in a week and lewis will always be a champion maybe he'll win in america i don't know where else maybe mexico but yeah you're right singapore was an opportunity moment of the weekend for me Links to what we were talking about already, it was Toto Wolf and Christian Horner's interviews uh, where Christian Horner initially in his first interview denied any knowledge of the cost cut being broken by Red Bull when they submitted it. As Jimmy said to me on, I think it was Saturday, very clever with the wording there. Um, and then there was Toto Wolf's interview where he was saying a lot of things that really was making me prick up my ears despite being in a restaurant i just had the the interview on in the background and it made me sit up and start listening and thinking this what he's talking about here this could be pretty huge um in fact i'm gonna say my line of the week he's gone out of order i've already been out of order today but martin brundle asked toto wolf is this just normal formula one playground politics or is it heavyweight and total wolf in his austrian accent which demands authority mm-hmm. said it's heavyweight and uh, he's not going to say anything different though is he to be fair he isn't but yeah i agree with what you say yeah and then christian horner had another interview with ted kravitz on saturday where he said it's ridiculous and it's unacceptable the way that um others in the paddock i.e toto and Bonotto have been speaking about Red Bull and the thing is if if Red Bull haven't gone over the cost cap it looks a bit silly from Toto and uh, Bonotto so you wouldn't imagine that they've done they they are saying these things without having heard anything from a, a, a reliable source but 
I don't see why the FIA would release that sort of thing. We were talking about that, Jimmy, weren't we? It's hard to tell on this one. It's so difficult. I mean, yeah, what's going to happen in 48 hours' time, we'll probably know. Um, but yeah, it's just so difficult to tell. It's an unprecedented situation. As I said, Toto Wolf's hardly going to be, oh, well, it's not much of an issue. He's going to say it's the biggest issue in the world because he's Toto Wolf. But on the flip side, um, Horner would probably say exactly the same thing. So, yeah. It's difficult to see what will happen. Red Bull have started throwing defamation claims around about, you know, them cheating and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I think that's a bit of uh, a bit of showmanship. Do you um, think it was playing up for the drive to survive cameras? No, I just think he's an irritating guy and he just likes to shout about um, not necessarily playing up. But my, um, my um, is it moment of the week is the Verstappen-Hamilton duel. I know it was quite... Um, brief, but I thought it reminded me of last year, and um, yeah, good little throw in Vettel as well. Yeah, make it um, yeah. make it an uh, 11 12 world championship soon to uh, be 13. Sure, soon, yeah, well, yeah, soon to be 13. So, yeah, that's a lot of world championships there. Yeah, and that that was quite exciting and impressive that Lewis didn't go into a wall when he went wide there and got onto the wet stuff there because. It, it it could have been so easy. Yeah. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. It, it was, yeah. He had to try that move. I mean, otherwise, he would have been overtaken really by fighting. Verstappen. So. Yeah, they weren't really um, fighting for anything. And it was nearly... That that was his one shot, really, wasn't it? So It was only Sebastian Vettel that really wanted to keep the position because neither of those two are interested in <laughs> seventh place. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's how it goes sometimes. Joe... Your moment at the weekend. Surely got to be um, Sergio Perez versus Charles Leclerc after the safety car restart when they were both on slicks. That was the best bit of actual racing that we saw. Um, and it was really exciting watching. Hassling and harrying. Yeah, Charles Leclerc was, you know, less than five tenths behind around the whole lap. Um, it was a bit odd that we didn't have DRS for the first half of the battle. I do wonder whether Charles Leclerc would have got past. Um, but it was just so treacherous offline that he didn't want to try anything unless he was basically already ahead at the braking zone. So, but it was absolutely amazing um, for Sergio Perez to hold his nerve, really, um, and not stick it in the wall because there was a few corner exits where both of them were, you know, full opposite lock. Um, so it was great to see them sort of driving to the absolute limit both of them and you know both of them told their nerve and keep it out the wall and it was a big win for Perez wasn't it after all the criticism he's had he's basically dropped mm-hmm. off in terms of performance since Monaco we've all yeah. said it and yeah he he kind of mentioned that in the interviews after uh, maybe the criticism came because he's Mexican which sounds a bit like uh, a comment that Lewis made about why the Stewarts are always targeting him in 2011 yeah. Yeah, I mean, everyone was saying it was his best win. I'm I'm not sh- quite sure about that. I mean, Secure 2020 was pretty special. But yeah, this this was certainly a really good one. And Paris just seems to be a bit of a different animal on the street tracks, doesn't he? Because that's his third win on the street. He's a street fighter, isn't he? Congratulations, Checo, on that one. Uh, my honourable mention goes to Lance Stroll, finished P6. He always seems to do well in wet conditions, doesn't he? He's, he's yeah. like a, a quiet wet race specialist although Vettel was also in the point so a good day for Aston Martin in general 
Um, yeah, so well done mm-hmm. to you, Lance. I was going to give my honourable mention to Aston Martin, to be fair, especially because uh, last week I called them uh, pointless, and uh, quite literally. And, um, you know, they, you know, just trundling round on, you know, no top speed, no cornering. And then to get a sixth and eighth, really good result, right? So, you know, especially with Williams not scoring anything. Uh, Jimmy, your honourable mention, please. My honourable mention uh, was Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, from 16th to 5th, I thought it was, a, it was a great effort from him. Very lucky with the safety car, but yeah, still, um, for all that's happened to him in the last few weeks, it's good to, to see that he's sort of firing a bit. Absolutely. What what do you reckon he's going to do next season, Jimmy? I think he'll uh, leave Formula 1 for a bit and might come back. But yeah, I just think he needs time to recharge his batteries and just sort of chill out a bit almost do you think he'll keep a foot in f1 in the form of a mercedes reserve role or something like that potentially yeah but that's still you have to travel around to races and i don't know how much it would irritate him going to races and not racing well does Hul- does holkenberg go to all the races yeah i'm I'm not sure but mercedes operate in a different way don't mm. they you see a lot more of their reserve drivers about. maybe maybe he could do something a bit more like anthony davidson in a development driver in the sim well yeah definitely yeah that could be a good very good option. i know he's also in talks with red bull but he came out of the mercedes motorhome at some point this weekend which created well conversation on twitter but <laughs> twitter is full of conversation is it not joe uh you'd think so speaking of conversation what was your aj on the line line of the week um my it was a tweet um Unfortunately, I didn't remember who it was from, so if you'd like to claim ownership of this tweet, then please write to me. Um, but I remember scrolling through my phone on one of the uh, the duller bits of the race where we were all thinking, when is someone going to put slicks on? I was about 20 minutes early. Um, but someone tweeted, Jensen Button would have been on slicks by now. Um, and I like that. And you've you've got a bit of a love affair with Jensen Button, haven't you? Not like anything, uh, not I mean, anything like <laughs> serious. But you, lo- I mean, you I love, love old Jensen. I mean, I wish Button, I did, to be honest. But um, you know, that'd be great. You know, he's rich. I imagine he's got a few McLarens. XF1 world champion. What more could you want? He sold um, his cars. Yeah, he sold. I'm sure he's still got some car. Yeah, I mean, he could have a Toyota Prius, but he, could, he could definitely get he could definitely get you in to come and see his brawn or something like that. But um, but yeah, I just thought that he was sold a good his sort of P one, didn't he? Mm, but I was I thought that was a good kind of throwback. You know, th- these were the kind of races where you were just thinking, what is Jensen gonna do? How is he gonna How is he gonna win this one? Um, you know, you think of Canada twenty eleven, Australia. Um, Australia 2010 yeah that's the one um you know some some absolutely even the one he won uh Hungary 2006 his first race some absolutely sort of masterful changing conditions drives um always the first guy you'd always know exactly when to put slicks on if uh if the weather was changing and Jensen hadn't changed his tyres yet you knew the track wasn't ready you'd gone too early yeah race one and You've already heard my AJ on the line line of the week. It's Heavyweight by Toto Wolf. Uh, Jimmy, yours. Uh, mine's a long sort of a, 
similar path to the cost cap. Uh, and mine is um, he doesn't talk to his CFO. And that was uh, his response to Christian Horner, um, which I thought was quite funny. Um, so, yeah, that's my, my line of the week this week. And we will see whether he has been speaking to his CFO or not on Wednesday. As we've said, we move on to Japan. Suzuka. Now, Singapore, I love watching. Okay, not that I got to watch it this weekend. And it's also a really hard track to drive when I drive it on the F1 game. Japan <laughs> is near on impossible for me. That's the track I struggle the most at. Now, Japan is also a brilliant, brilliant track to watch in, in my experience too. So maybe that goes hand in hand. The harder a track is, maybe I'm, I admire it more or maybe the racing is better. Who knows? But Japan is brilliant, mm-hmm. isn't it? Suzuka. It's one. It's one of the ones that should be like. It's a lot. Of, it's with you know Spa, Monza, Silverstone, as, and Interlagos. You'd say is the ones that should always be. Yeah, immortal. On the kind of, Although to be fair, in the years where we haven't been there and gone to Fuji Speedway instead, that's also a great track. So, as long, I suppose as long as there's a Japanese Grand Prix, then. That should always be on there. They've got two great tracks. Suzuka's the marginally better one. Agreed. Uh, but, Jimmy, what's your sensible prediction for the weekend ahead? My sensible prediction would be a Red Bull win. Okay. Uh, I think it's a track that will suit it quite well. Uh, High-speed corners. Um, but we'll have to see what happens with the cost cap as well, to be honest. But um, mm. it's not doesn't mean that they're not going to win, but they could be banned, maybe. But I don't know. That's speculation. We'll see. I don't, I don't think yeah. so. Now, I, I'm going to jump in and annoy Joe because my sensible prediction is that Max Verstappen will be world champion. Ah, how do you know that was my prediction? <laughs> because we haven't even said I that. I know how you think. <laughs> you could agree with me. Yeah, sensible, <laughs> sensible prediction, Max Verstappen world champion. I mean, yeah, I think for him not to be world champion. If he wins with faster slap, he, he wins no matter what. Yeah, exactly. And Leclerc has to finish second. It's pretty clear that Max is going to be world champion there. Probably quite fitting that it's in Honda territory, even though Honda aren't the official engine supplier of Red Bull anymore. They did make the engine. I bet they're kicking themselves, to be honest. Well, there's still talks about them potentially coming in. I know that Red Bull told Porsche to get lost, um, but yeah, maybe that can be a partnership that works in the future uh, with but still, a Honda-powered car winning the world championship in Japan is a pretty uh, big thing to miss out for, um, miss out on for them. Oh yeah, so. for sure, for sure. Um, your bold prediction, then, Joe. I'll let you go first so that you don't get undercut by me again. A uh, Yuki Sonoda podium. Oh, that would be cool. I'm, I'm saying it's going to be a Red Bull one, two, three. Wow. With Sonoda on the podium. Jimmy, your bold prediction. My bold prediction is a Mercedes win. Oh, I can't say that. It doesn't make sense, does it? Uh, Second place, Mercedes. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) My bold prediction is that there's going to be a crash at the first corner between some of the front runners. And we've seen many crashes into that first corner before, or clashes, we can say. Um, I think that that would be rather exciting. Imagine... Max Verstappen gets taken out and he can't win that world championship. I know that my my bold prediction and my sensible prediction might not necessarily go hand in hand, but I think that there could be something quite exciting. It's it's high speed, 
Uh, it's tricky. It's all about bravery, this track, so much. I'm looking forward to it, although the times will be weird. Um, in fact, Joe and I will be watching qualifying and the race together in our hotel room. How lovely is that? <laughs> <laughs> oh god that that begs questions that that people might want to ask don't worry we'll be in separate beds <laughs> why is that don't worry i won't wake up in time probably i'll the race is at six o'clock qualifying at seven o'clock the race is going to be a bit of a challenge but yeah i'll see what i can do <laughs> we're not asking you stefano's asking you i am i'm, <laughs> I'm not asking i'm demanding <laughs> yeah i can watch the highlights there you go it's been a pleasure speaking to you both. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you, Joe. And thank you for listening wherever you are to the AJ on the Line podcast. This has been your Singapore Grand Prix review. We've got the Japanese Grand Prix review coming up next week. So look forward to that. Listen in. Um, if you want to see what's going on with us at the moment, go to socials at Adam JW44 on Instagram or AJ on the Line at TikTok. Well, go on the website it's ajontheline.com and yeah another big thank you to those of you that have managed to donate I know it's not easy cost of living at the moment and everything uh, but we did the London Marathon for the Royal Institute of the Blind and we've raised a load of money so thank you for that take care and we'll speak to you soon in Japan <laughs>